Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. There's a good reason that Central Park is in New York. Even these city dwellers are going to need to get out and see trees and see grass, and humans need that. I had this idea for an Anthony Bourdain-style hunting show. It's not just being out there and, and shooting something. It's, it's the whole adventure of it all. He literally looked at me and he said, you need to give up on that dream right now. You'll never amount to anything as a musician. And by the way, there's nothing I can do for you, and you're going to have to repeat your junior year. I got my first doll sheep, and it was so emotional for me. I, I shed tears over it. It's the people that go, I need to do more. Those are the people that actually do it. If you think you're doing enough, you're probably not. Hey, y'all, this is Nick Hoffman from Nick's Wild Ride on Outdoor Channel, and you are listening to The Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. I've been blessed to harvest 22 of the 29 North American animals with my bow. My personal 24-hour record for death threats is 88. They will start putting two and two together and realize this is how you call bulls in. So when I go hunting now, that's the ethos I take with me. You know, whatever, whatever this hunt is going to throw at you, you pull your big girl pants up and you get on with it. Giant bucks are freaking awesome. They're beautiful. But you know what? I would not trade this first buck for anything in the world. So I'm really, I'm a geek. Magicians and dragons and magic swords. <laughs> I shit you not, man. I'm the biggest dork in the gun business. I'm Freddie Hartice, Hollywood Hunter. This is Aaron Snyder. Hey, this is Trevin Stoltzfus with Outback Outdoors. This is Rihanna Carey. Hi, this is John Sloan of the interviews with the Haunting Masters. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. All right, y'all, here we are. It is, uh, what is today? Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? It's the day. Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday. Today's Thursday. Thursday of SHOT Show. <laughs> Out here in Vegas, I'm sitting down with the one and only Nick Hoffman from Nick's Wild Ride. <laughs> Nick, thank you so much for sitting down joining me to. Put out another episode. Man, I'm glad to do it. You know, I don't know what you're going to get out of me. It is, after all, day four of SHOT Show. So <laughs> uh, I've killed all the brain cells here in Vegas, and um, I am a little numb, to be honest with you. 
My name is Nick. Hello, everybody. I feel like I have I'm a on the outdoor channel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have TV show. Yeah. It's wild ride. <laughs> it's a wild ride. <laughs> uh, so, just to start out, uh, I always like to just have you introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, give us maybe some background. How did you get introduced to hunting, the outdoors, and you know, there's a lot more to. Uh, to kind of your show and everything that we'll get yeah. into, but just in general, how do you kind of get introduced to hunting in the outdoors? Well, I mean, for me, it's an interesting it's an interesting journey that is a little different than a lot of people. I I grew up in Minnesota, a little tiny town called Now Then, Minnesota, which is literally an intersection of about an hour north of the Twin Cities. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, population forty seven was their big claim to fame when I was growing up. It's just a little tiny town. And um, so I grew up kind of right in the, you know, the middle of hunting central. I mean, you know, grouse hunting to the north and pheasant hunting all around me there in the cornfields and and uh, and deer hunting everywhere and goose and waterfowl. It's all right there. Um, but I didn't grow up in a hunting family. But I was always one of those people that felt called to the outdoors, as cheesy as that sounds. I mean, um even though nobody hunted in my family, I always wanted to do it. I always wanted to be out in the woods walking around. I always wanted to be outside. I was always the guy looking at tracks on the ground. And, and just for me, I, I genuinely believe that there are people that are wired to be hunters and people that are wired to be gatherers. And there's this, it's deep in our DNA. And some people are one and what, some people are the other. And there's no shame in either one. But I was wired to be a hunter. And and so for me, it took um, finding someone to get me into it. And that was my neighbor, um, Jim Zawistowski is his name, Zowie. <laughs> he, uh, I knew he hunted. He had mounts on his wall and stuff like that. And I was about 12 years old, and I asked him to take me hunting. And, and he took part of his deer season off um, to take me out. And it changed my life, you know. So it's funny, you know, you talk about it, and I feel like, you, what you were saying about people are wired differently. Yeah. And uh, I I think about that, and I'm like, there definitely are people that are, are just at their core wired to be hunters, wired to be in the outdoors, yep. and there's others that aren't. But then there's that weird intersection in the middle where there's people that I think almost feel that call. They are wired that way, but they don't know what it is they don't recognize it absolutely um you know maybe they again maybe they grew up without access to it maybe they got distracted by things i think the key to unlocking that too is recognizing that when we specifically talk about hunting for me and this is you know we can get into this later too but that's a big part of why my show is the way it is and has the format it has is because hunting isn't just about going out and killing something hunting's this this big lifestyle choice or at least it's a big adventure you know and in its root you can't i mean theoretically you can go hunting and not kill anything i mean you can get all the way up to the moment and do the thing and and you don't have to do that um and so there's a lot of people that sit on the fence like you said that they would do it and really enjoy it if they had the the option i mean the opportunity to get introduced to it you mm-hmm. know i think that's the hardest thing for you know kind of how you started too you know it's like for people that maybe live in the city or maybe don't have access to ground or or someone to take them out it just takes that one little thing on the flip side 
you know, if you're scrolling through in Instagram and you see a, a picture of a dude holding up a bloody, a bloody deer with his tongue hanging out, um, that might turn you off forever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's a tough thing to get people into it that, that, that don't have it. But I, I believe everybody has a little something in them, you know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, speaking from experience, you'll so often, you know, if you're that person, you're wired to be in the outdoors and you know, it's, if that's what's in your DNA and you don't have access to that, you may not even realize it. You may just feel that some, something's missing. Something's not right. Sure. Yeah, I grew up in, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles, maybe. I grew up in San Francisco. I grew up in New York. I grew up in Chicago, mm-hmm. whatever that happens to be. Um, so I feel like I should be happy here in the city. Like, this is where I'm from, but it doesn't feel right. It's, I don't feel that same satisfaction. I don't get that fulfillment Absolutely. out of it. But you don't know why. Well, there, there's a good reason that Central Park is in New York. There, You know, the, the city planners had the the foresight to say you know even these city dwellers are going to need to get out and see trees and see grass and because humans need that you know there's a reason that every major city in the world has a park Mm -hmm. a big park in the middle of it or on the edge of it or whatever and that's why because we're we all have that we all have that need for it some people just don't realize what they're needing you know and hunting isn't for everybody it's not and that i'm okay with that but it's for me and I'd love to tell you about it if you oh, want to yeah. listen. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? When I always tell people, I'm like, you know, before before you decide that it's not for you, give it a chance. Learn about it. You know, even – and I'm not even saying, like, you need to go out and kill an animal once before you decide that hunting yeah. is not for you. But get out in the outdoors. Go with someone on a hunt, maybe. Really find out what it's about before you write it off just as – like we said, just as killing or just as like, yeah, I'm not an outdoorsy person. It's not for me. Yep. You may not be an outdoorsy person because you've never experienced it. You never really experienced yeah. it. That's exactly right. And the same thing goes for, I mean, I've been converted to lots of other things. You know, uh, I really, really never had eaten Indian food before I met my wife. I love Indian food now, but it, I didn't know that I was going to love Indian <laughs> food till I tried it. You know what I mean? I think hunting is the same way. The outdoors is the same way. You know, you go and try something. You go mountain biking for the first time. You're like, where has this been all my life? You know? And I think that it's all the – and it, again, it's not just about hunting. It's outdoors in general. And we're not just all killers. You know, we just like being outside. Mm-hmm. You know? I always liken it to – you know when you have a headache, but you don't realize you have a headache? So you're just walking around, and maybe maybe you're in a bad mood because of it or whatever this. And then all of a sudden, like, something happens, or maybe your back's hurt or whatever. Something happens, and that kind of headache goes away, and all of a sudden you realize how much better things can be. Like, you're like, oh, all that, that weight's lifted off your Absolutely. shoulder. That's what I liken it to is, you know, you're walking around this whole time. You're irritable. You're unsatisfied. And you don't know why until you find until you find that thing that lifts that weight off of your shoulders. Absolutely. And again, it's not the outdoors for everyone, but for so many people, it is. And I think it's couldn't agree more. A huge epidemic right yeah, now. It is absolutely. And I think that the beauty of it is that it's more accessible now in a lot of ways than mm-hmm. it has been in a long time. Um, you know, for all the evils of social media, there's it's I think done right. 
you know, it, it introduces people. People can find stuff on YouTube and, and Instagram and stuff and be introduced to things so much more easily. Mm-hmm. You know, you can reach out and find someone that, that maybe could plug you into a club or a group or something to take you out way easier than it used to be, I think. Yeah. You know. So tell me a little bit about the show. I want to know what's what's this show all about, Nick's Wild Ride? <laughs> well, it's crazy to think that it's we're filming the fifth season, the fifth year of this thing. You know, I, which on a on a side note, it's really weird when I'm out in middle of nowhere, Montana, in some crappy hotel. I just happen to turn on the TV and I look up. I'm like. Because I forget you have a TV show right. at times. Like, you're just like my buddy Nick that I met at the Poma conference. Yeah, right? and, and then I look up, and I'm like, yeah, Nick's talking to me on the television. I love it. And, you know, <laughs> I didn't see that coming, um, to be honest with you. I'm a country music artist. I'm a fiddle player. I'm a singer. Um, and I've spent my entire career playing music. But I've always hunted, and I've always, through music, gotten to know, um, you know, different hunting celebrities if you will and i've gotten to go and be on other people's shows and and that's kind of how my entry into this business happened and when it comes to my tv show i'm a huge anthony bourdain fan (laughs) and he's he's my hero god rest his soul and i kind of had this idea for a anthony bourdain style hunting show you know where you go somewhere to hunt but then you do what you're basically just following me doing what I do anyway. If I go somewhere to hunt, I'm going to find the local burger. I'm going to check out the local museum. I'm going to ask about the local history. I, I do all that stuff anyway. So to me, that the, that's one of the great parts about traveling and hunting is it's not just being out there and, and shooting something. It's, it's the whole adventure of it all. And so that's what this show's about. It's, it's I go somewhere to hunt. I explore local food and culture and history and music and people and, and all the things that make the place that I'm hunting special. And it's been this incredible journey that has taken on a life of its own and taken over my life, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so now we're filming the fifth season. It's one of a bunch of awards. It's um, one of the best rated shows on the network. It's just it's been like a just a really interesting thing to watch this little baby grow up <laughs> to be big you know and, and i've loved it and you know really all you're watching is just me being myself doing my thing systematically checking off my bucket list i'm like i want to go to kansas and hunt pheasants check i want to go to mongolia and hunt black grouse check i want to go to spain and i want to go to alaska and i want to do all this you're you're just watching a kid that grew up in minnesota reading field and stream and thinking i'd never be able to do all this stuff i'm just getting to do it it's really fun that's crazy it's it's funny when you think about where you where you came from to to where you are and you would have never you know even 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 myself you know in a much shorter period of time like i look back and if you told me you know 10 12 years ago that i'd be at shot show all tatted up with a giant beard you know talking to guys about hunting for a living like it wouldn't have wouldn't have registered i would have been like any of those things doesn't yeah. make sense to me, well, let alone all of them. For me, I always knew. I always had the great clarity, the, the blessing of the clarity that I always knew I was going to be a musician. That I always, I'm a fiddle player. I've been playing fiddle since I was four. I'm a singer. I knew I was going to move to Nashville. I knew I was going to play country music for a living. And that's what I went and did. But I never would have imagined that I'd be walking around this giant shot show and there, my picture would be on the side of booths. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that. I never saw that coming. And I think that's really fun. You know, for somebody that's been so singly focused on my music career, 
this is the first creative thing that I've ever done that isn't music, and I love it. I mean, I, I, I write the show, I direct it, I produce it, I narrate it, I host it, you know, I hunt in it, I do all this stuff. So it's really been a fun, a fun learning experience, you know. I'm not a TV producer, like, <laughs> by trade. So, it, you know, trust me, I've made my mistakes and I've learned along the way, that's for sure. It's been fun. All right, so I'm sure I'm sure people ask you this all the time, mm-hmm. but there's got to be some favorite places or activities oh, sure. that you've hit. So oh, through the show, you mean? Yeah, yeah, through the show. I absolutely. I mean, the first ones that come to mind are one of the first ones that comes to mind is my first time in Africa. That was a life-changing experience for a lot of reasons. Um, the first one is that I'd never been anywhere truly third world. I've been to Mexico and stuff like that, but I've never been anywhere like Africa where people are living in mud huts that get dis- that disintegrate during the rainy season and they have mud and dung huts. I mean, craziness, you know, people that have absolutely nothing and I've never seen more happy people. They have nothing and they're happy. And that tells, tells you a lot about our culture. You know, we overcomplicate things and we're depressed all the time. You know, these mm-hmm. people have nothing and they're, they're happy as can be. Um, and to go over there and to be in touch with the oldest hunting culture on the planet who now they don't hunt hardly at all because they don't have guns and ammo. They can't afford it. So they need people like us to go over there and help manage some of the populations of these animals, which is a very misunderstood thing. And that's a whole nother, another topic, but to go over there and to hunt like a a Cape Buffalo that had been wounded by a lion that was chasing children it was trying to hurt people and to be able to go and help that community out with this animal and then give them all the meat i watched a grown woman cry over a hunk of stomach lining like it was a really spiritual thing to go over there and do that so i digress that was that's one of the first things that comes to mind is going to africa was life-changing in a lot of ways on a hunting level it was incredible on a human level it was incredible what were I mean? What were you know? You, because you go out and yeah. you do experience that culture. What were some of the other other pieces of that? Like you know, you talked about interacting with that community. What yeah. were some of the other experiences you had well, out I mean, there other than the hunt? The food. I mean, you know, you go there and these people they don't have much, but they'll share what they have with you. Um, the happiness, like I said, um, you know, dance the dancing and they're you know the community. They put on a little show for us when we got there, and you know the women are banging on drums and they're dancing around and the kids are dancing and 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 just seeing humans being humans without the distractions of the internet and the phones and the stuff and talking about you know they're eating basic they have maize which is like ground corn and they have you know maybe a little bit of meat that the hunters give them and 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 maybe a cow every once in a while and that's it you know that was really interesting to me. It had nothing to do with hunting. It had to do with all just the human side of things, and I loved it. Um, and you think about us, and we start bitching some days if we have to eat leftovers absolutely. two days in a row. That's what I'm saying. I can't have chicken enchiladas again. And these people are making, they're making, they're making like a, a corn kind of porridge with nasty Zambezi river water that would, would make me really yeah. sick. You know yeah. what I mean? And, I mean... We've got it pretty good, you know, and, and I, but I loved it. I loved that. Um, I loved the the beauty of this. I mean, the elephants in the, I mean, literally you're laying in your tent at night and you're hearing lions roaring That's and crazy. the stuff that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's next world Lion King kind of stuff, you know, <laughs> it was crazy. I loved it. 
You're going down the road and there's bamboo uh, baboons on the side of the road. It's just it's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, another another trip that I really really liked happened this year. It was very special to me. Um, I used to read Field and Stream when I was a kid, you know, and dream about maybe one day getting to hunt a big whitetail. That would be like for me the big thing. But there were these hunts that they would do articles about that to me were the equivalent of going to the moon it would never happen but i loved dreaming about it i mean i still love dreaming about the moon i'm never going to the moon you know <laughs> so um and one of them was was the the alaskan doll sheep you know they they these stories of these guys that would go into the backcountry and get dropped off in an airplane and and go after a doll sheep these big beautiful white curly horned sheep i just thought that was the most exotic thing ever and i've been kind of obsessed with them <laughs> so this year um I won a doll sheep hunt through a raffle. Nice. And, you know, we're talking about a, you know, just the hunt itself is $25,000, mm-hmm. you know. And then when you when you deal with charters and getting planes back into the backcountry, you're talking about a thirty to $40,000 hunt. Yeah. You know. And and so I won this thing. And next thing you know, I'm in Alaska hunting doll sheep, which is like, for me, the the dream. You know, literally living the dream. And, and recognizing it while it's happening in the moment. I'm like, oh, my God, pinch me. This is actually happening. So I got up in Alaska and, you know, climbed the mountain and, and managed to managed to get lucky. And I, I, I got my first doll sheep, and which is probably going to be my only doll sheep ever, you know. <laughs> and it was it was so emotional for me. I, I shed tears over it uh, I, because I just I recognized in that moment just how lucky I am. I mean, this, this life I live is cool as shit. You kidding me, man? I get to run around and hunt for a living and play music for a living. I mean, I, I still have to pinch myself sometimes. And, you know, gratitude's a big thing that I've, I'm trying really hard in my, my old age. I just turned 40 this year. I'm trying really hard to, to sh- show more gratitude, appreciate the things I have. And, man, I sat up on that mountain and I, and I cried. I mean, it was special because it was, it was, a dream come true but it was also to me like the the top of literally the top of the mountain and the top of the mountain for me yeah. like i don't know how i could get any better than this kind of thing it was cool sorry i'm, I'm just rambling no no there's a hey people don't kind of listen to the podcast to hear me talk so <laughs> this is perfect um so you know you didn't grow up in a hunting family right you kind of grew up hunting you grew up with an interest in hunting and you know you started from a reasonably young age but so now, looking back, what does your family think of all this? Like, have they gotten into it since at all? No, like, nobody what's hunts. The... Um, nobody hunts, but certainly nobody has any problem with it because, um, you know, in Minnesota, you we grew up in the country, you know. Like, it's not like we were serious. I mean, we're, you know, we grew up in, like, kind of farm country area, but we're near towns and stuff like that. You know, it's we weren't these, like, country bumpkins or anything like that. Yeah. But on the same token, we grew up around it. And in, in Minnesota, people deer hunt. You know, people, you know, it's, there's, there wasn't this negative connotation to it. It just wasn't something they chose to do. Um, my dad tried to deer hunt a little bit when he was like a teenage, like, you know, 18, mm-hmm. 19 years old with his buddies, but he just didn't like it. You know, it wasn't that he was against it. He just didn't care for it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, no, they, they, I, I, I will say that I, they didn't, they didn't realize how much I wanted to do it which is that was the one conversation we have had it's like i talk about it now like i always wanted to hunt but they didn't know that Mm -hmm. and the reason they didn't know it is well why would i tell them i mean like 
it just wasn't what we did. I yeah. thought about it. It's kind of like, like I said, dream about going to the moon, but you don't just sit there and tell mom every day, <laughs> hey, mom, I want to go to the moon, you know? So it was like that. So, no, they, they're all for it, and they think it's really cool. And My mom thinks it's pretty cool that, you know, she's can be at the at the bar in Minnesota and, and I come up on the TV. She, <laughs> that makes her proud. So Gets to point it out to all her yeah, friends. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's awesome. And so tell me a little bit about uh, about the music. I want to, you know, I'm, they used to call me a diversity hire at my old job because I was the only one that was into country music. Right. And uh, um, so you're a fiddle player. You've played for uh, Carrie Underwood, correct? No. Oh, Ke- crap. Ke- Kenny Chesney. Kenny I Chesney. Play, and, and, uh, oh, and sorry. I, I know who I'm thinking. You're I'm thinking of Jimmy Carrie. Herman. Yep. Yep. Jimmy's and, a good buddy, uh, too. He's a good friend of mine. And, and uh, um I play with a bunch of different artists, actually. I, I've, I've had the really cool fortune of playing with some of my heroes. I mean, people like, of course, Kenny and, and Keith Urban and Trace Atkins. And I've gotten to be on stage with, I mean, Willie Nelson and Brooks and Dunn. And, you know, through Kenny, uh, experiences with Kenny, I've gotten to play with John Mellencamp and Dave Matthews and all these different people. It's, it's just been this incredible ride. And, um and it, it all started with me kind of run away from home when I was like 17. So I, I, oh, wow. I, I had this this principal in high school named Dr. Dean Suter. And uh, he called me into his office one day and I had this bluegrass band that was a, was a kid's bluegrass band when I was in high school. And we were pretty busy and we were playing a lot. So I was missing school quite a bit. Um, you know, Fridays and stuff to go off and play gigs. But I was doing okay. I was getting my homework done, and I was getting good grades. And he called me, and he said, you've missed too many days of school. You're you're losing credit, and you're going to have to repeat your junior year of high school. Oh, geez. And the last thing I wanted to do is repeat a year of high school. I couldn't wait to get going. I, I felt like I was spinning my wheels. Yeah. I wanted to go start my music career. So I told him, I said, you know, the reason I'm missing school is because I'm playing music, and this is what I'm going to do for a living. And he literally looked at me and he said you need to give up on that dream right now you'll never amount to anything as a musician that's a stupid idea and by the way there's nothing i can do for you and you're gonna have to repeat your junior year so i was laying in bed that night and i just couldn't fathom the idea of spending one more year here i wanted to go to nashville man yeah and i had just taken a trip to branson missouri with my grandparents for spring break and i saw these guys up there playing fiddle on stage and stuff like that And i was like i can do that I can do that right now. So I hopped a Greyhound bus and went to Branson <laughs> and and uh, finished school down there. And uh, I um, and in kind of the rest is history. I I met some people down there that ended up helping me f- get my first gig in Nashville. And it just kind of all sp- spawned from me leaving home. And I always knew, like I said, I always had the great clarity of knowing what I wanted to do. So. I went down there, and I'm, you know, fast forward. This is a long story short, obviously. Fast forward a couple of years, I end up in Nashville, and it's actually 20 years ago this month. Wow. Um, and before I knew it, um, and this is obviously paraphrasing a long story, <laughs> um, before I knew it, uh, some connections that I had in Branson ended up uh, landing me this gig with Kenny Chesney. And it was very kind of early in his career, and I got to watch the, you know, now this icon, one of the greatest country entertainers of all time, uh, I watched it. Get to watch it go from clubs to stadiums. 
and it was just you know I was there for 12 years it was the greatest experience of my life it's every musician's wildest dream <laughs> you know so I mean it's just incredible so from that I ended up getting my my own record deal on on Warner Brothers had a group called The Farm that uh had a couple um hit songs on the radio and um and now that's kind of disbanded and I've got a brand new solo record coming out uh this summer so that's that's 20 years of music career all condensed down into about two minutes so so do you see a lot of crossover at all between the music between the the show is there sure i mean uh, there's a lot of ways that it crosses over for me personally um a lot of it has to do with um lessons i've learned you know business wise and stuff like that but really in the end a tv show is enter- it's it, you, I, you know it's entertainment that's what it is um, yeah, we're, I'm out there hunting, and I take that seriously. But in the end, my show is, is, is supposed to be entertaining. And so I'm still in the entertainment business is the point. You know, I, I, whether you're in the music side of things or you're on the, on the TV show side, the parallels are big because they're, it's the entertainment business in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. I treat it like that. So um, a couple of lessons I've learned um, through the years that I implement with the TV show is the first one is authenticity it goes so far i mean people especially nowadays with you know instagram and stuff people see right through fake you know they they don't and and the same thing goes for music you know people they don't want to see fake people they want to see real and authentic and 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 20 years ago i wouldn't i don't even think i knew who i was you know what Mm -hmm. i mean but with the tv show i try really hard to be authentic and be who I am. And if that means I, a swear word slips, well, that's because a swear word slips because I swear a lot. I have a horrible <laughs> mouth, you know. Um, if I want to have a beer on, uh, you know, after after a hunt in camp, I'm not going to keep that off a camera like a lot of people do because that's real. Um, and, and, in fact, that's cost me sponsorships before. Um, there's one, one particular company, you know, I don't need to point – uh, names or anything like that, but there's one particular company that I was about to sign a big advertising deal with, and at the last minute they pulled the plug because every once in a while I'll drink a beer on camera, and they didn't they didn't believe that that was okay, and they they told me well we'll do the sponsorship but you have to quit drinking beer you know it's like on, on camera I was like first off I don't drink beer very often on camera but if I want to who yeah. are you to tell me that I can't that's who I am that's what I do and that's representative of most every other hunter out there you know yeah. so I left that deal on the table and and a lot and five of dollars says they're going back to their hotel rooms and cracking it oh absolutely it absolutely you know but you know and that that goes back to that authenticity thing I mm-hmm. think that that's something I've learned that that's one of the crossover things um another crossover for me from the music side of things into the um into the TV show thing and this applies to my life in general and I, you know kind of everybody is is you get what you put in you know Hard work is what gets results, and it sounds cliche, but it's the truth. If you don't, if you're, if you sit here and you wait for things to come to you, you're gonna still be waiting along. You know, if you want something, if you have a dream, if you have a uh, a goal, the only way to get there is by pounding the pavement and hustling. And, and working your butt off. And the same thing goes for hunting. You might get lucky once in a while and step out of your truck and walk 100 yards and, and shoot a deer. But if you want to kill kill a big deer, you've got to walk, walk and work and sweat and do the scouting and do all the work. And this TV show has been no different 
The music business has been no different. I mean, trust me, this SHOT Show is cool, but it's a grind. You know what I mean? And to be honest with you, I'd rather be at home. Mm -hmm. But I'm here because I'm grinding and I'm hustling and I'm, I'm, I'm connecting and networking and hooking up with my friends and seeing my friends. And once I'm here, I'm good, but it's getting here, you know. It's, it's getting like over that mental hump. Fuck yeah, it's like going to the, it's like going to the gym. You know, um, there's a, at the gym I go to in Nashville, there's a big sign that says, you did the hardest part already. You showed up. And it's true. You know, you got to be present to win. You know <laughs> what I mean? And, and that's, that's kind of another thing I've learned. I've watched a lot of people come and go out of Nashville over the 20 years I've been there that were the most, some of the most talented people I've ever met, but they didn't put the work in. Mm -hmm. And they left empty-handed, you know? Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of luck that has happened to me over my career that is that I've had a lot of lucky strokes, a lot of them. But I believe that one of the reasons that I was able to do some of the stuff I've been able to do is because I was ready and prepared when the, those lucky strokes come to, to act on them. That right there. I, you know, you got the two fields. You got the people that are saying like, oh, you're so lucky. You know, you get all the lucky breaks. Then you got the other people that are like, oh, 100%, you just make your own luck. And I'm like, no, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm like... Luck is luck is a thing. Sometimes you just got to be standing in the right bar, you know, and Absolutely. run into the right person. Sometimes you just have, you know, when it comes to hunting, the elk have to be there. Sure. You know, you can do as much scouting as you want, but if they just decide they're not going to be there, they're not going to be there. Absolutely. Go ahead. So you have to have the luck, but you have to put in the work to make sure you're in the right place to take advantage of that lucky or be break. You to, and you have to be prepared. Mm -hmm. Like, so there's work that happens before those lucky strokes hit you that, oh, uh, use the Elkie, for example. If you bust your butt and you, and you get to a place where the elk are at and you get lucky, say you get lucky and one shows up, what if you've never practiced shooting your bow? Exactly. Well, then now you're, now, now you've got the opportunity but aren't prepared for it because either you didn't believe that the opportunity would come or you weren't willing to put the work in to do it. You know, um, you know, that's no different than if we're here at SHOT Show and you, like you said, you get, you walk in and there's a, you know, the president of some company that you want to, you know, you want to be partnered with and he's sitting at that bar and somebody introduces you to him, but you haven't, like for me, I, I, I mentally role play those, those moments in my head. So I know what I'm going to say. You know, or, or 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 at least have my shit together enough that I can I can be confident in what I'm going to say to him, you know, or her. And again, you put the work, you get what you you get what you put in, man. And that goes for life in general. I mean, dude, I've been gone. I'll take I'll take it to another another place. I've been gone now for you know pushing six months almost straight. I have a little girl at home. And I have a wife who also tours and plays music. And she and I were together like 20 days in like five months. I mean, just gone, never seeing each other. And it about drove our marriage into the ground this year. It's been tough. It's been really, really hard. And the only thing that saved our marriage is the fact that we were willing to to work at it. You And... and we could have very easily said, you know what, I think we tried and 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 it, we're done. We could have very, very easily said that. But we decided to 
invest the time and work at it and rebuild it and we're better now than we've ever been and and, and same so again it goes back to you know i'm harping on the same same thing but it that that adage it sounds so cliche but it's so fucking true you get what you put in and if you think you're working hard enough you probably aren't it's the people that go i need to do more those are the people that Mm -hmm. actually do if you think you're doing enough you're probably not you know what i mean if you think you're doing enough that means you're comfortable and comfort turns into complacency. Exactly. And and I catch myself, don't get me wrong, I'm sitting here pr- up here on a pulpit preaching about fucking working hard. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, I have my moments where I find myself slipping. I find myself um, tired and and I go through phases too. And I'm talking about like I'll go for a couple months and then I'll catch myself going, dude, you need to get your ass in gear. Or, you know, I try to stay pretty fit to, to hunt, you know, and I'll catch myself in February even gained 10 pounds. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, time to get to the gym. You know, everybody screws up. I mean, I, the reason my marriage got bad is because because we let it get there. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. I mean, it wasn't like we were – it was just what it is is when you're not together, it, stuff is hard. So um, my wife's probably listening to this going, why the fuck did you say that? <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I say it because – I'm proud of the fact that we've worked hard and that we're, we're good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be talking about it if we weren't. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but uh, I think now I've digressed, but that's the point. It's like I screw up. Mm-hmm. You know, I have my, I have lots of stuff that I, I suck at. Well, know? there's, there's and, one thing that really, I think so often we look at that and we're like, okay, you know, you want to, yeah, I got to put in the work. I got to put in the work. And you either think you're either putting in the work or you're just being lazy. But there's one thing you said that I, I really want to emphasize is you also have to believe that it's going to happen, too. Because so often you're not putting it's, – it's not that you're not prepared because you're lazy. Yeah. It's because you don't think you're ever going to get that break. There's always that nagging yep. self-talk in the back of your head that says – like, I do that. I'm so good at that. I walked into this show on Tuesday. Overwhelmed. And I said, I have no fucking chance. Yeah. That's the first thing. When I walked in, I'm like, yeah. I, why did I come here? Yeah. That was my immediate first reaction. And it took it took a couple of text messages from some important people to me. I ran into a, a good buddy of mine from from Tennessee, funny yeah. enough. Um, and, and you just you, – it's like it's no different than yeah. if, if you, start a, you start a hunt and you look up at, a, at the top of a mountain and you know you need to get up there. Mm-hmm. Man, you need to just pick a rock and walk to that rock. And then that's how I do it because if I think about – I'll, mm-hmm. I'll never be able to do that. I can't get to the top of that damn mountain. But instead, you just pick a rock 100 yards out and you walk to that rock. Yep. And then when you get to that rock, you look around and you – pick the next rock and you just keep walking to rocks man and and it you'd but be if, surprised how quickly you can get there yeah. you know and if you look at that but you think there's no way i'll ever get to the top of that man. like literally there's no chance in hell so i'm not even i'm not even go hiking yeah. this weekend to, to prep for it yeah then of course you're never you gonna believe make it, it you know and that was i think so important because so often we think i'm either being lazy or i'm grinding like it's there's there's a mindset involved in that that's Absolutely. so important, and we well, you for, know, and forget is, about it's that. It's easy to self-sabotage, and I do it. You know, there's certain things that have happened in my life where I, I was, you know, oh, man, I can uh, that'll never happen. Or, But you can't tell yourself that 
and it's that is way easier said than done. I'm not I'm not that's a really tough thing because you the hardest thing about that is you want to also make sure you believe in things that are accomplishable. You yeah. know, it's like if I again we go back to the moon adage. It's like well, I'm gonna someday I'm gonna go to the moon. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna. So I'm not gonna someday go to the moon. So you know, there's certain things you got to be willing to tell yourself. Okay, look, that might be outside my skill set, but as long as it's realistic, it's attainable, man. I mm-hmm. mean, and there's another thing about that that I was thinking about while you were talking about attacking shot show for example (laughs) um i had a manager um that i i I still really look up to as a businessman and as a manager and he said something to me one day that i've i've really i've really taken to heart and i implement a lot and that is he said never confuse motion with progress so just because you're 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 making a couple phone calls or you're sending some emails or you're or you're actually a better a better example is you can be at this shot show but if you're just walking around Mm -hmm. so you feel like you're here and you feel like you're doing something but if you're not actually digging in and talking to people and doing stuff that's walking around is motion progress is actually getting something done you know and it's difficult for people to sometimes recognize what the difference between motion and progress you know um Early well, on, we early on, leave in ourselves my, in motion to make ourselves feel better about not making absolutely. progress. Early on in my career, um, I would have gone to uh, the bar at the Circle Bar here and and just sat at the bar till four o'clock, drinking and having fun and talking to people and making friends, and that's good. But that's motion, mm-hmm. you know. But progress is meeting these people and then following up with them the next day. Yeah. Or the next week or whatever. That's progress. And so it took me a little while to figure out what that really meant for me. And that means something different for everybody depending on their career. But I've always loved that. Never confuse motion with progress. No, it's you know? a very, very important point. And I've been guilty of both. <laughs> Even at this show here. Absolutely. Like I've caught myself and I'm like, I've been walking and like walking with purpose. Yeah. Like I'm going somewhere, but I'm not going anywhere. Yep. And I don't know why, <laughs> hey, but it, but, but it makes me it. feel better about like, cause I can't, I'm, I'm here. I've spent a good amount of money to be here. Right. I'm investing. So I need to be, I need to be in motion because just cause you're at the yeah. gym doesn't mean you're working out. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, all right. So say somebody has been watching your show and they reach out and they say, you know, dude, this is awesome. I love everything you do. Like I've always been interested in hunting, but I don't know, man. The bar is pretty high. There's a lot to learn. Uh, yeah, it's a little too intimidating. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if I can do this. I don't have the background in it. What would you say to that person to to encourage them or maybe get them along their way? Well, it's a really interesting question, and in there, you know, there's a huge initiative right now. This R three initiative, which is you know recruitment. Um, retention and reactivation so you know either recruiting a new hunter um you know reactivating an old hunter or retaining people that hunt now so they don't fall out right well the recruitment part is one of the hardest parts is in that the reason for that is that we we know that it doesn't take just one hunt to to make a hunter they have to learn how to do it on their own and so you just taking someone hunting is good but you need to take somebody hunting and and actually follow up with them take them again talk to them help them find a spot help them do so it's tough you know but the fact is that you what i would say to that person is 
you will be just blown away at how many people are out there that want to help you. You know what I mean? It's but, but just like me when I was a kid and didn't tell my parents I wanted to hunt but really did, once I told somebody, that guy, he man, he was like, I'm in. He gave up part of his precious deer season to take me out. And you'll be surprised how many people are out there that will do that for you. You know, it's – I'm blown away at how – um, receptive and inclusive the hunting community is if you want to learn to hunt all you got to do is is go to a ducks unlimited meeting or go to a backcountry hunters and anglers you know pint night or or um go to an sci meeting or anything like that join one of these clubs show up and you'll be surprised at how many people will help you well and I feel like uh, one of the things like you come in as somebody that's never hunted before anything and you walk up to these guys you'll be like man, I really want to go hunting and I've never done this. You almost, they will get, I guarantee they will get so excited. They will yeah. grab you like, oh man, you, then you got to meet yeah. this guy and Absolutely. he does this. And like suddenly you will go from knowing no one to having this instant family community yep. of and, hunters around and you. And I swear it sounds silly, but I, I, I would even challenge a new person like that. If you really, if you live in the city and you really don't know where to start, I really believe it starts with going to one of these meetings or just hitting somebody mm-hmm. up on Instagram. But you could go even one step even more superficial than that. The next time you're going through Target or Walmart or anywhere like that and you see a dude with a with a Realtree hat on or a camo hat or some sort of hunting, walk up to him and t- say, hey, I've never hunted and I want to hunt. You'll be surprised. I bet you money that person will give you their phone number. Yep. And it's, it's that simple. And it is that big of a family, you know, and – uh, yeah, there's assholes out there that are, aren't going to help you because they want to keep their spot to themselves. Those people are few and far between in this industry, I believe that, you know, in this in this lifestyle, I should say. And, um, man, it's not – it's it can feel like that mountain we were talking about, but all mm-hmm. you got to do is pick a stone and walk to it, you know. All right, so if folks want to follow along with all the adventures online, where they, can they where can they follow along with you? Where can they watch the show? So the show is on Outdoor Channel. Um, and uh, if you live in the Midwest, it's on Fox Sports North and Fox Sports Wisconsin. If you're in Canada, it's on Sportsman Channel Canada. Um, and uh, it's uh, Nick's Wild Ride on Instagram and Facebook. Nick'sWildRide.net on the on on the on the web. And uh, you know, come check it out. I'm uh, I'm proud to be doing what I'm doing, and I love sharing it with people. Awesome, brother. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of the show, sitting down with me, and uh, sharing a little bit with my, my yeah, listeners. Well, we appreciate what you do, too. All right, y'all. That'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure y'all check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. Go give Nick a follow. Check out the show. That'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this episode inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more.